Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're talking about sports games, and we're talking to Fabio Del Rio from CSE Games. Fabio, really appreciate you being on the show. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you, Gabe. Yeah, now Fabio, he's a guy I met at Origins. I actually pitched him my sports game, a football game I've been working on. We got to talking, had just an incredible conversation, uh, and and worked out that Fabio could come talk on the show and, and hang out and give some insight on sports games. And so I'm really excited to uh, to learn kind of the, the ins and outs of the sports game. I'm just a guy that made a sports game. I don't really necessarily know anything about the, the bigger picture of it. And so Fabio, really excited to kind of hear your insight on things. Well, thanks for having me. I know we, uh, we've been dabbling in this kind of niche of a niche in the sports game world for, for a few years. In fact, that's how we got started. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're a rare breed, I think, to combine sports and games together. Yeah, it's an interesting intersection, and you're talking about a niche of a niche. You know, I'm a guy that I like sports and I like board games, and finding that intersect point is an interesting thing. But uh, before we really get into the sports game stuff, tell people who you are. Maybe they've never heard of you. Uh, kind of tell people who you are and how you got into games, and you've even designed some. So, Sure, yeah. So uh, we started our company way back in 2004, believe it or not, and uh, it was a, a part-time thing. And uh, my background is in sports. Uh, coming out of university, I worked at a sports collectibles magazine for a few years. And then I worked for one of the NHL trading card companies for three years. And I've always had that uh, entrepreneurship bug in me. And uh, it was right around the time of, I think it was the, I guess it would have been around the 2004 uh, NHL lockout. Um, and things were kind of changing in the NHL with trading cards and who the licensees were going to be. And so at that point was kind of the time I felt that, you know, we, we take a leap and, and starting getting into the game business. Uh, I, I grew up playing a lot of games. It was a bit before, you know, the, the hobby, the hobby boom in gaming. Um, but I played a lot of cards. I enjoyed board games a lot, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed trading cards, memorabilia, uh, that sort of thing. And I thought that, you know, especially in Canada, um, there really hasn't been a, a hockey game that has lasted uh, over the course of several years. Every year you'd see a new one, but other than table hockey, um, you know, there wouldn't be a game that really lasted, you know, several years that you could, you know, go back and get a new edition. So um, anyway, so that was kind of the mission was to uh, to build a cool sports game that incorporated classic playing card rules, and uh, and and they what we wanted to develop was a light simulation, and we were actually building almost two games at the same time. Um, we we basically were developing kind of a, a, a card system based on the regular 54 card deck um, to incorporate different sports, and we actually started with the football game because we felt at that time during the course of a lockout. Uh, it wouldn't be a great time to release a hockey game. So we said, okay, let's put that on on the back burner and focus on kind of the core of what we want this game system to be and and build a football game. And so, jeez, uh, by, I guess we released our first game in 2006, which was a game called Card Football. And as it sounds, it was playing football with playing cards. 
And there were specialized playing cards, um, you know, each having different abilities. And, and depending on the strength of the card, you could earn a, additional yardage. And the red suits were running plays. The black suits were passing plays. So these were kind of kind of rules and um, kind of elements to the a game system that we were developing. And um, so, like I said, our, our first release was, was Card Football in 2006 and uh to our surprise being that uh you know we're new to the to the hobby world that there was uh, quite good acceptance of the game because there was a, a unique um I, I guess the just the mechanics of it incorporating classic playing card rules to simulate a sport and we tried to to use rules that were intuitive to the sport um, but at the same time, we had to keep in mind that we wanted to uh, have this game accessible to the sports fan because you can't, you know, introduce a new game where you want a, a, a sports fan base uh, you, and where they may not be familiar with modern gaming mechanics. You have to kind of ease them into it. And that was a, a real important part of, of the development of the game. We, we built this big game. And with all the, with each of the cards having all kinds of different abilities and text, and eventually pared it down, pared it down, pared it down. And uh, anyway, like I said, in 2006 we released Card Football, and uh, it was received pretty well. Uh, we got on a couple of nice top ten lists for you know top sports games and that sort of thing. Um, and then a year later, we uh, we introduced the NHL hockey version called NHL Icebreaker. And uh, so that would have been in 2007, 2006, 2007, right around the same time. And um, yeah, and that's one we still have in print today. And that's kind of been our, you know, the core of our business being based in Canada. We, we do a lot of business in Canada and, um, you know, working with the NHL obviously has its strengths, but it's, you know, it's a game that's just kind of stayed steady over the years. And um, so that was kind of the, the beginnings of our business, strictly sports, um, having the sports background, having publishing background, editing background, and uh, well, even myself, uh, I I play baseball in university, so um, you know I I went from playing baseball to writing about sports in a magazine to making trading cards uh, to starting a, a game company. Uh, you know, I feel kind of lucky that I haven't had to have a real job yet. Yeah, uh, no doubt. <laughs> and not not that they're easy, but. Uh, so that was kind of the beginnings of our company on in terms of the in terms of sports, and uh, a few years after that, we we've started to dabble into uh, other casual games, family style games, uh, abstract strategy games, casual card games. Um, you know, adding two or three two or three new products a year, and um, yeah, I guess that's a little bit. Uh, what, what our company is about in a nutshell. Yeah, now you keep saying we. Who, who is the we? Yeah, so basically it was uh, me and my brother started the company. And um, yeah, it's a, we're, we're a tight group. And obviously like a lot of small publishers, we, we, um, we outsource our graphic design and uh, warehousing and you know, all, the, all the things you can do in the, the modern age of business. And, um, yeah, and, you know, throughout the years, we've had a chance to work with some great designers, um, several of the game artisans of Canada, uh, guys like Daryl Andrews and Tim Brown. And we've done some artwork with Josh Capel. Um, 
and uh, we'll be working with uh, with some more of them as well. Yeah. Now, when you guys first got started, had you already designed that game and then decided to build a company, or were you already thinking, hey, we really want to do this, uh, we want to have a publishing company? Which one came first? Well, the uh, an initial concept came first. The game certainly wasn't designed. That was a there was a very raw concept that we that was in place, and basically uh, we we took a year to kind of clean it up, and um, we knew that there was something there. We'd had we'd had some meetings with uh, different licensing people and retailers and. And you're talking about, you know, 2004, 2005, right at the poker boom, too. So there was there some added interest as well, just being uh, kind of combining two worlds like that. Um, so there was a raw concept that was there first. And, um, you know, we basically took about a year, year and a bit to develop it, to get it to, um, to something marketable. Yeah. Now, what, what really tipped you over the edge? Because, I mean, there's a lot of people that think, gosh, I'd really like to start a company. I'd really like to take my game or whatever to the next level. What got you over the edge to actually pull the trigger and do it? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, it was it was always in me. Um, I, I knew I wanted to start a business. Um, my dad had done some, some business dealings, uh, and he had that kind of entrepreneurial spirit as well. Uh, it seems to run a, a little bit in our family. Uh, you know, when I when I went to university, all I, I all I wanted to do was I took business at university, and I took business because I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I wanted to start something, and I wanted to maybe do something in sports. Um, you know, it just happened. The timing, I think, was good. Uh, I was single, so <laughs> that made it <laughs> made that it helps. possible. Yeah. Um, I had been working at uh, the trading card company as uh, I was a VP of production and product development. And again, just with the timing of the the uh, NHL stoppage, um, you know, I was able to save a little bit of money and the timing was right. You know, being single, um, having a little bit, being able to buy a little bit of time and then kind of this idea at the right time. Um, but it was just something that was always kind of lingering in me. And, you know, there were a few things uh, pulling in, in that direction to to make it happen. Yeah, gotcha. All right, let's let's actually talk about sports games, just the general concept. I mean, we could be talking football, baseball, basketball, any I mean, any of the sports. We're just going to kind of talk sure. conceptually. What do you think is the appeal of these kinds of games? Because, I mean, why why play a football game if you could just go out and play football with some friends or play Madden video game? Like, what? What is it appealing about a board game about a sport? That's a good question. It's a it's a very interesting question. It's it's funny because board games in general, you often have a theme and you set the rules. Right. And what I find really unique about sports games is you have to fit in your rules of the game within the rules of the sport. Yeah. Which offer its own challenge. Right. Um but for someone who enjoys sports, I think it's it's something complementary, like having having an autograph collection or collecting trading cards or collecting pennants or hats. It's just something that kind of uh, you, you get a, a piece of the sport. It, 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 you know, you playing a game, you have the emotions 
and sports is all about emotions and ups and downs and and if you can capture something in a sports game that get that can 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 recreate the ups and downs of live sports i think that that's something special but as sports fans you know we all try to hold on to one something from our favorite teams or uh, you know have have a memento of of a, of a championship team or a game you went to or holding on to that ticket and there's a real emotional tie-in with sports and of course it's positive and negative um, and I and I say negative because especially when you're talking about a licensed sports game performance of your team of a team makes a difference on how a product can sell yeah so for instance in you know, let's let's continue on the hockey vein. The, the Toronto Maple Leafs, allegedly the biggest hockey team in the league, they haven't won a championship since 1967. Mm-hmm. Now, if and they haven't been good for about 15 years. <laughs> right. And if you had a, a Toronto Maple Leafs licensed game, it's not going to perform close to as well as if they were making the playoffs every year or fighting for a Stanley Cup. So the the tie-in with the teams can affect the performance of a product, which is which is completely unique and 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 pretty pretty bizarre and a challenge. And in our case, we you know we the games that we've done licensed, um, well the hockey game that we've done licensed is, is all teams, but we've uh, we've produced a couple of limited editions of our card football game with some of the U.S. colleges, and. Uh, by, by the way, I want to talk about U.S. college football uh, after this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with that, man. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> um, and so we, we did a little production run of uh, games licensed by uh, LSU and by the Florida Gators. And as luck should have it, those two teams did not perform as well as they had in the past years. Yeah, that was like right after Tebow left, basically. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right after Tebow. Like, great timing, right? Yeah. And... Uh, so you know those those just kind of performed okay. We did a small print run, and that was that was kind of the end. So again, one of the one of the real unique attributes I think of sports games. Um, but you know, as I mentioned, the the, the as sports fans, you want to you want to hold on to something from your team from from the sport. It's about emotion, and if you can kind of generate that emotion in a game, kind of the the drama, the 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 swings, the back and forth. Uh, I think that's that helps to to make a real real nice sports game. Yeah, for sure. And and like you're saying, being able to play as your favorite team, you know, that's one thing that's great about Madden. You know, I can yeah. go on on there. I can be my favorite NFL team. And whether my NFL team is garbage in real life or not, in the <laughs> game, I can make them. <laughs> The best, you know, I can win a yes. Super Bowl uh, with the yes. Atlanta Falcons. I can actually yeah. beat Tom Brady, and not any. Uh, that, anyway, that, but that is your team, isn't it? <laughs> it is, man. You know, living in Atlanta for a while, and uh, yeah. It, uh, any, anyway, now I want to. I want to go back to my little comment about college football. Yeah. Do your listeners know your? college resume your college football resume a little bit i think in the uh the rob davio episode uh, episode from uh, a couple months ago he and i got to talking about uh football in different ways and i, I gave kind of a bit of my story and, and playing college football at auburn and that kind of thing so yeah you know if you've listened in the past then uh then they should know okay that's good because that blew my mind when you told me that when we when we chatted at origins and i thought man being part of division one big time football school that's 
That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's even funnier now because back then I was 30 pounds heavier than I am now. And so people look at me now, they're like, oh, you were the water boy, right? Like you held the towels. Like, no, I, I used to be a little a little different. Um, and yeah, nice. and I think Thanks. that's one thing I, I love about sports games. It, it kind of reminds me of, you know, way back when, when I got to do this kind of on a daily basis of just go out and play ball, play football. And playing mm-hmm. a sports game, I can kind of relive that in some degree. Obviously, I can't uh, smell the grass or feel... Uh, you know, all the different things you feel and all that, but it gives you at least some kind of nostalgia of that. And I think that's part of the appeal as well, because a lot of people played sports, at least in high school, right? Yeah. Maybe they didn't go on to college, but they remember the good old days of, of high school ball or whatever it is. And they maybe want to share that kind of experience with their kids who are, you know, eight or nine years old growing up who haven't really been exposed to sports really yet. They're just starting to get into it. And so I think a board game is a great way to kind of start introducing some of those things uh, and just kind of remind people of that feeling from yesteryear so to speak yeah no i totally agree and then you have the the added touch of you know you have to use your mind you got to yep. plan out you got to strategize your plays so you're you're thinking kind of as a player kind of as a coach kind of as a manager at once i mean that was kind of the inspiration of our two latest sports games being fantasy fantasy baseball and fantasy fantasy football yep. where we're not you're not playing the game you are managing your players, in this case, they're fantasy creatures, but you are managing, putting putting the right players in the right positions to earn fantasy points. And that's kind of almost a third level of sports. You have kind of manager, coach, player. So there's a lot of lot of fun aspects that you can that you can build into a game. Yeah, for sure. You can play from different angles. You can play from an angle you would never be able to do in in real life right you know, you're never right. going to be the more than likely you're not going to be the owner <laughs> of a big major sports team and so you get to do, maybe do that in a game and kind of live that out but let's talk about kind of the fantasy aspect let's talk about uh what in sports lends itself to board games i think fantasy sports is real obvious how it lends itself into board games that you got the number crunching the math yeah. you're, you know yeah. different matchups and all that so in your experience what are what are some of the things that just lend themselves right into the board game space well the the thing that blows me away so the fantasy sports, basically, the fantasy fantasy baseball game designed by Daryl Andrews was inspired by one of those um, parody motivational posters. Yeah. And it basically said, fantasy football, it's Dungeons and Dragons for jocks. <laughs> and that, that apparently was his aha moment. Yeah. And I mean, but that, that kind of says it all right there, right? Because we all have this, this geek, geekiness about something. Right. Whether whether it's board games, whether it's sports, fantasy sports, collecting, you know, everyone's got a little something in them like that. And, you know, I I call myself a a former jock wannabe geek. I'm kind of (laughs) converting the other way, you know, getting in 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 the board game world. But, you know, everyone has their thing. And that's what's what's what we all have in common is there's everyone has something that they really enjoy, what they're really passionate about. And yeah, I mean, fantasy sports, it's, <laughs> I have a cousin who now he's, he's extremely serious into fantasy sports. He used to do some writing for SB nation, but he was literally in 50 fantasy leagues at once. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I couldn't understand. He would literally spend five minutes on each league and just make the one change and boom, 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 boom. But you know, that's something he just completely dove into. This was a guy who in in high school, he loved sports. And when he went to university, he actually took drama 
and got into theater. And that was his life for the next 10 years and basically abandoned sports. And he got back into it with fantasy sports. And now he's completely off his rocker and, you know, he's he's completely jumped in. But it's it's a very interesting way of, of getting people into sports with fantasy. And I mean, talk about a great way to to learn the players, too. Yeah. You know, like if, if, if you don't follow the league, if you don't see the transactions, you, know, you got to learn, you know, offensive players, defensive players just to compete. And then, of course, you got to get lucky with stuff like injuries. And, you know, and that's what I love about fantasy sports, too, that really ties into board games is there's this kind of general rule where your fantasy league is one third your draft, one third your waiver wire selections and one third luck to your performance at the end of the year. And that that sounds like a pretty interesting board game. Right. That's me. Right. You start by collecting your resources, your characters and then you make changes along the way. Oh, and then there's the roll of the dice, the flip of the card that plays into it as well. So, yeah, I think it was a uh, Daryl or maybe J.R. Honeycutt. Uh, I think because he was another designer on, on fantasy, fantasy baseball and football, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think I don't remember which one was talking about it, but they were talking about guys that do fantasy football or fantasy baseball, and they were saying basically these guys are board gamers. They just don't know it yet, <laughs> right? They're doing all the stuff of board gamers. They just yep. don't realize yep. that that's who they are. You're absolutely right. And and because on both sides, there's kind of the stigma, right? Sports yeah. in, in the gaming world is like, oh, the, the instinct for people that don't like sports is to back off right. because there, you know, there's always this friction when kids are young, right? There's the, like, like the TV show, Freaks and Geeks. It was, you know, the jocks and geeks were always kind of in, in conflict. And I think people hold on to that. But on the other side, yeah, guys that play fantasy sports, girls that play fantasy sports, they don't know that they're doing all the things that are involved in complex modern board games. And that seems intimidating to, to people that aren't in the board game world. But like you said, they're, they're already on their way. Yeah. And I just think about, you know, football, obviously my brain always goes back to that. But if you think about that from board game mechanic terms, you have an offensive coordinator who's playing a card, who's playing an action, and you have Mm -hmm. a defensive coordinator who's playing a reaction. And that's Mm -hmm. just kind of back and forth. And then there's a little luck involved with maybe a guy misses a tackle or maybe the ball bounces a certain way. But, you know, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about how uh, sports just kind of naturally lend themselves to game mechanics, uh, kind of with the going back and forth. And let's talk about that. Yeah, well, the um, you know, let, let's talk football because it, it is the best. It's the most tactical. Yeah. And and the great part about football is it's a stop and start right. sport. Right. You you get together, you plan. So you have your 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 hand of cards essentially, or you have your resources. You're planning it out, and then boom, there's ten seconds of action, and then let's see what happens. Like clear the rubble, and let's see what happens. Yep. And to me, that's I mean, that's kind of what a lot of competitive games are all about. You plan it out, plan it out, and then, boom, let's see what happens. And and football, I mean, it's, gosh, and especially with you playing Division One football, like the amount of people and minds and resources that go into each play right. with the offensive coordinator talking to the quarterback, uh, the discussion within the huddle, everyone having their own little job to do to execute one play to hopefully get those five yards for a first down. There's so many moving parts to then execute one thing. And to me, that's, 
you know, that's kind of a, a formula for what probably what a lot of games what what goes on in the background, the processing, the the moving of resources and decisions, and and taking into account uh, probabilities and uh, yeah, to me, uh, to me, football is is probably the 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 perfect sport that that lends itself to board games and and probably the best example of a sport uh, because you know, I mean, baseball is actually similar that way as well in that it's stop and start. But it's baseball is all about one on one. Right. Uh, every single play is is batter pitcher. Right. right. A solo it's, sport it's, in a team atmosphere. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, um, I, you know, while you have the free flowing sports like hockey and soccer, which is in their nature a lot more reactive. You know, as as the play happens in front of you, then you change your tactics and. Um, but that's why we have so many football games and so many baseball games that have been designed. I think there's over a hundred of each if you looked at board oh, game wow. geeks. Oh yeah, and they go way back. And um, that's why, because I, I think there's that there's that connection that seems seems just just right for those those two sports. I mean, I guess America's former pastime and America's new pastime being football. Yeah. <laughs> and just thinking through mechanics, I can also see how a game that has some like engine building as well could kind of be a, a sports mm. theme as well. You, you think about like what you do in the first quarter and you're building on that into the second, into the third, into the fourth. Because I remember so often we would run plays, we would do certain things early on to mm -hmm. set up for things later in the game. And so awesome. you might run a play, you know, in the first quarter and you're not necessarily trying to get a big play. You're trying to get two, three, four, five yards, but yeah. you're hoping that you're going to build on that and maybe run it again in the third and then run it a big time in the fourth and do something different yeah. and then have a, and score a touchdown in the fourth. And kind of this yeah. engine building where you're putting in these pieces and you're trying to get your opponent to think one thing. And as soon as they think yeah. that one thing, you do the opposite yeah. and you score. Yeah. You know, and it'd be an interesting, like an engine building sports game would be kind of a, a cool concept. Maybe I'll write that down and start working on that. <laughs> write um, it down, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's very interesting. And and I, I didn't get to play to play football, and, but that that part of the game I'm fascinated by. You know, like that example you said, you know, just show them something just to keep it in the back of their mind. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we can expose something here down the road. Like that's yep. that's great. And you know what? Pitching's a little bit like that as well in yep. baseball. Definitely. They say a pitcher should not show their full arsenal in the first inning, mm -hmm. you know, because look, by the time you face a guy on the third at bat, he's seen everything you've thrown. He's seen your fastball, curveball change. You can't show him anything new. Right. So uh, it's always pitching coaches try to say stick to your fastball that first inning as much as you can. If you can get out, if you can get through the first nine hitters and show them very little, that sets up the rest of the game very well. You know, their second time up, then you show them a change up. Third time up, then you add curveball. Um, yeah, I mean that kind of stuff. That that's fun, right? That's just yeah. and there's almost that that military feel to it, right. which of course is such a big part of board gaming. And um, I think that's why there's so many baseball and football games, no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of a little bit off topic, but I'm thinking through. So I remember my, my senior year, we had a new offensive coordinator come in, and we would run plays, like especially early on in the season. We would run these random, crazy trick plays. 
And I remember asking the coach one time, I said, why do we, why do we do so many of these? And he said, well, here's the deal. We're, we're probably only going to run this trick play one time all season. And I want to do it early in the season because for the rest of the year, every team we play is going to have to waste time in practice, pre- like prepping against oh, this play. Yeah. They're going to have to waste time in practice, waste time in the film room, and we're going to win mm-hmm. because they're going to waste more time than we waste. Oh, and I was like, good. oh, wow, like, this is like super meta. It all, it's not even about the game. It's about the whole thing. And, yeah. and he just wanted other teams to have to have to waste time. And so he'd run this this just ridiculous stuff. And he's like, yeah, I we're not that. even trying to necessarily score on yeah. this play. We just want yeah. uh, our, our opponent five or six games from now to have to worry about this. And we're not even going to play. We're not even going to run this play. Oh, <laughs> man, that's great. Especially because practice time is so limited in yep. college sports that if they're – wasting it like you're taking away their resource of time yep. by throwing this random oh that's that's awesome that's that's cool and that's a real story right there in the trenches <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you played you played baseball in college is that right i did yeah yeah so i, I played at uh, brock university in canada huh? uh, uh just on the other side of the uh buffalo new york border so we got to play a lot of those uh, northeast teams we yep. played a lot of exhibition games against those guys and uh, we had a good squad. We, the three years I played, we made the national championship final the first year, made it to the West final the second year, and finally our third year won the national championship. Nice. And other than my wedding day, that was still the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you have, again, kind of going in, I was thinking board game terms, you, you put all this effort, all this time and energy into something, and then you win at the very end. Yeah. You know, you, you finally cross that thresh, threshold of victory points or whatever at the very end, and it just feels good. And so being able to like recreate that in a game goes a long way. It really does. There's something special about sports, about scoring a goal or scoring a touchdown. You know, you see them in these cheesy movies where, you know, the little kid hits that game-winning home run. And, you know, you if, if you're never part of it, it just kind of seems like a cliche. But yeah. that kind of stuff's real, and it and it sticks with you. Right. You know, the first time you hit a home run, the first time you probably, do you remember the first touchdown you scored? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. in high school, uh, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, it was a fourth down. It was fourth and nine. It was the first game Ooh, of wow. my, uh, my senior year. I didn't get to play much sophomore and junior and senior year. I'm starting and uh, it was a fourth down and we got like a holding call. And so it brought it all the way back. So it's fourth and goal from like the 11 or 12 and uh, the coach went for it. And I ran a, I ran a post corner into the corner of the end zone, laid out for it, dove, and I oh. uh, got my feet, both of them in, or really had to have one foot, but both feet inbounds yeah. and scored a touchdown. Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> yeah, you remember it, absolutely. And it's probably clear as day for you because it, it yeah. meant so much and it's so exciting. And there's it, almost like this silence that happens for a quick second when you realize, yeah. holy cow, I caught the ball. Right. And then, of course, you playing high school football in the States. Everyone probably went crazy. The oh, 20,000 yeah. fans that were there. Well, it wasn't that many. I was, <laughs> I was in Kentucky at this point, And so okay. basketball is a little bigger in that state. Oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, what was cool, the, uh, the newspaper, I was on the front page of the sports section the next day oh, making wow. that catch, like in the air, oh. like in the end zone, ball in my hand. I was like, oh, that's, that's – so I've still got the picture. I have the picture of my very first touchdown um, that the guy from the newspaper took, which is – I mean, again, it's, it's just kind of a cool thing you look back on. And, it is. Yeah. So let's talk about like the obstacles and challenges of, of putting together a sports game. Like you talked earlier about having to create a rule set already inside of a rule set. And so let's talk about some more of the challenges. Yeah, well, the one thing that we find is you want to find the, 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 the fun moments, the yeah. real, you know, 
Because sports really, you, you want to, and, and this is a rule with, with all games, but just capturing those fun moments. Like, I love what Mike Fitzgerald did with baseball highlights yeah. 2045. Right? Right. Like, literally, the baseball highlights. Like, you're watching, like, it's that key moment in the game. And, you know, th there's been plenty, plenty of games out there that have been full simulations of the sport, and they're very accurate. Um, you know, you've probably heard of games like Stratomatic and APBA yep. baseball, where they're massive charts and right. dice and take hours to play. And it's very accurate. I mean, they, all, a lot of this stuff's done electronically now. And statistically, they do a really good job. But that's that's not for everyone. It's not right. a real marketable game. Um, so the challenges are, especially in, in this day and age, is to, to come up with something that's compact in terms of time. Um, but also to really capture the the, the fun, um, you know, the, the the tensions. I think, you know, especially in, in a football game, um, you know, when you got to you got to take a risk and you're, you know, you're you're building you're building up to the the last play and uh, you know th those those true tensions of the sport. If you can capture that in a way, I think that's that that's something special. Uh, but it's also the challenge as well. Um, you know, the, the first two games, card football and its updated version called handoff and our icebreaker hockey game, those were the two games that we really designed. And, um, we just found that if, if we want to do a board game company, we can't be spending tons of hours, you know, building something from scratch because, you know, the design process is huge. Yeah. Just the amount of time, the amount of hours is, is crazy. And, you know, we, the, with those two games, we've, we built many versions of that game and spent many, many hours, but the key was to pare it down to the real fun to, you know, where, you know, these decision-making scenarios come up and they have a big impact on the game. Um, you know, it's got to hurt when you throw an interception and it's got to feel good when, you know, your hand beats the other and you score a touchdown. Um, so enough, enough challenge, but, you know, have it feel rewarding, very satisfying when, when you, you know, do something positive, um, which is, which is, I think what, what sports is all about. And another interesting aspect was just kind of coming to mind now is, you know, the, the idea of teamwork. Yeah. So in, uh, so in our handoff card football game, you can play either one-on-one -on -one or two-on-two -two. and, uh, the two on two is really special because you can literally you, you each have a hand of five cards, but you take a turn facing the opponent across from you. So as you're huddling, deciding what you're going to do, you can also talk to your opponent and say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to draw them in with this running play. Hopefully I suck out one of their good cards. You hit them with this afterwards and blah, blah, blah. And we found that that was kind of something that popped up almost organically, this teamwork idea. And, um, you know, again, that's probably in in the grand scheme of things in, in the world. Teamwork in sports is probably the best thing that sports can offer. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, when someone played team sports, if you're in, a, in an office and you're you know, someone that loves to take credit for things and uh, points the finger to everybody else. You know they have not played team sports because <laughs> right. that does not fly, yeah. right? It's kind of a buzzword, teamwork and all this stuff, but you can clearly tell when people truly were in team sports 
you know, they're they're fine to give credit to people that deserve it, or they're they they don't just take on too much. They share responsibilities, and that you know, I to me over the over the years, I've kind of discovered that you know you can really point out people that have have been in in. And it doesn't have to necessarily be sports. It could be team, anything. It could be could be theater. It could be um, gymnastics. Whatever. Just kind of this idea of working with people interdependently. Yeah. Right? You, right. You do your thing. They trust you to do your thing, and you trust them to do their thing. Is really, I think, a really nice thing um, about sports and and I guess clubs in general. Yeah, for sure. And then going back to the kind of some of the obstacles or challenges, I think this is something Gil Hova. Uh, talked about a while back is knowing in a sports game what needs to be abstracted and what doesn't like what Mm -hmm. needs to be paired all the way down to the point where it's just barely part of the game for instance injuries like injuries are a normal part of sports but they are not fun in a game you know it's no fun (laughs) whether you're playing madden or you're playing a board game if all of a sudden your quarterback can't play anymore that's not fun and so realizing like what needs to be taken out and what needs to be left in i think can also be a huge challenge it is, yeah, and we found that out in our in our hockey game the most um, was we got rid of the rules of offside and icing, yep. and those are the two most frequent infractions in hockey. But who cares? I mean, right. you know, <laughs> okay, you cross the line, stoppage and play, face off. You know that that's the type of stuff. You're right. That can be removed. Uh, can be abstracted, and injuries can be fun in in games as well. And often it's it's done by you know the roll of a dice where uh, you know in, in particular I think um, oh the way we have it in in our football game is uh, if you happen to hit someone with a big hit card and you roll the die and you know depending on what the roll is you can actually cause an injury cause a big hit fumble and an injury and you know that's kind of a you know, one you know, very rare, rare type of scenario. But you're right, um, because in, if you look at football, injuries happen a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, every every tenth play, someone someone's down on the ground. Um, not necessarily that they're injured, but they could be hurt for that play. And that's something that you're right. That if, if you had too much of that going on in the game, then it would just take away from take away from the fun completely yeah and sports just in general have so many rules like you if you were to go through a rule book it takes forever to get i mean all the little tiny rules the here and there the stuff you won't see but maybe once a season right just random you know obscure rules and so the more you abstract those down i'm thinking about my favorite video my favorite sports video game nfl Mm -hmm. blitz we're talking 1999 totally oh it's it's the best and there's no rules there's hardly any rules to the game there's (laughs) pass interference doesn't matter the only thing you can't do is jump off sides like that's the really only rule you just can't jump off sides right and it's so much fun because you don't have to worry about anything else other than playing football just trying to complete passes make tackles and try to beat the other guy and it's a lot of fun because all that other stuff is just abstracted out they don't care it doesn't matter right right they don't care so much about the 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 line and and how you how you block that guy and just no it doesn't matter it's a complete free-for-all and that that was that that did you play at the arcade or on console both. So oh, okay. um, a friend of mine, I've actually been playing a ton this summer. Buddy uh, has an N64 wow. that still works, and he's got it on awesome. N64, so we've been playing. Awesome. And then the uh, church I work for, uh, a good friend of mine, they've got this big youth building, 
and it's got a bunch of arcade machines, and NFL Blitz is one of the arcade machines. And so I've been playing it on both recently. But I remember (laughs) back in the day, we would play it. There was this little uh, truck stop that had Mm. NFL Blitz, the arcade game, and we would like bet lunch or bet dinner. Like whoever (laughs) wins, like the loser has to pay for their food. Yeah, and so we raised the stakes a little bit. And so, (laughs) but it was just a ton of fun because it was so simple. You know, it wasn't this big drawn out thing. And not that Madden is all that complicated overall. It's really not that complicated. Mm -hmm. But NFL Blitz was paired all the way down, just the simplest of concepts. And so thinking about that from a board game perspective, standpoint i think that's really probably the best way to do it if you're just going to appeal to a lot of people is just pair it all the way down yeah yeah and it's and in the end it has to have that feel by the end of playing a game you feel like your brain has worked as if you were watching or playing the sport right and i think that's that's the challenge of it um going back to video games uh did you play tecmo bowl much at all? I have. Uh, you have? Okay. I've played it once or twice. That's absolutely Bo Jackson was just like yeah. the beast of, of yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I grew up with. And the original Tecmo Bowl was great. It was Bo Jackson and Walter Payton. You couldn't tackle them. Yeah. They were and then Jerry Rice, fast. just throw it up. Just throw it up yeah, in the air. He's exactly. going to catch it every He's single time. Catch. Yes. Yeah. He wasn't the fastest, but he would catch it every time. Yeah. And Tecmo Bowl, I loved. And then they came out with Super Tecmo Bowl which was the first time they included injuries and season play and all this stuff. And that was just mind blowing. And that's what soon after that, you know, you had the, the Madden line and that's when everything went, went bananas. And, um, Oh yeah. You've probably seen the Bo Jackson commercial. I think it's, is it for Kia or, uh, where he's actually sitting in the car and reenacting him on tech mobile, dodging all these tacklers and, That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now going back, let's, let's keep talking about this. Is it harder to design a sports game because of this? Because of these kind of uh, obstacles, these challenges, these different abstractions? Is it just does it just make it more complicated? I think so because you're right. You don't. You don't. You're not creating a world. You're trying to simulate a world in one way or another, and it is hard to figure out what to pull out. And, um, but you know, I think the key is just, is, is just play testing, play testing, play testing, yeah. you know, just getting, getting opinions from people that don't really aren't real experienced gamers or people that aren't so much into sports, but at least understand the sport. Um, and, and, you know, kind of understand, okay, this is a big moment because of, you know, this is my fourth down play. What am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, you, you, yeah, because you're, you're, you're recreating a world, you're not creating a world. And it's the, I, actually the biggest thing that, that I find about sports games, if, if you get a couple things wrong, mm-hmm. the sports fan will not forgive you for that. Right. Like if you, if you have a play where, you know, a punter can kick it a hundred yards, <laughs> right. you know, that's all right. That's not, not going to fly. Sorry. Right. Or, Sports fans are, are critical about that. Like, yeah. even even in in sports media, if you are uh, at the desk and you mispronounce someone's name, right. man, are you going to hear about it on Twitter? You know, <laughs> yeah. that's what sports fans are like. If if something isn't quite accurate, especially if it's something to do with the game itself, with the sport itself, they they would get thrown off by that. Yeah, and there are games in the past that had. Uh, you know, all kinds of great resources. You remember um, NFL Showdown? 
No, what was that one? So that was Wizards of the Coast with an NFL license uh -huh. that created a football card game, collectible card game. Okay. And they did some awesome stuff. The cards are beautiful, all kinds of great mechanics. And they had this electronic reader. So each of the cards had like a barcode on it. Or was it a barcode or a magnetic strip? Yeah, we okay. Actually I remember this swipe. now. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And th this was back when I was working at the uh, Sports Collectibles magazine. So I, we were presented this concept, you know, at, at one of the big trade shows. And I was, and it blew my mind, you know, the idea of actually swiping trading cards and seeing the result electronically. But one of the major issues was, if, if memory serves, was that every play, the yardage was... Uh, a factor of five it was either five yards 10 yards 15 20 mm -hmm. and level on the fact that the reader didn't work half the time let's say <laughs> it, it did right. but um you know that sort of thing i think threw people off yeah and i mean you know if you're gonna have a chance to have a huge sports game uh, those little little details i think have to have to really you know really work really get the sports fan now that may that game may have been a little bit ahead of its time as well um, that was, I believe, in the early, early 2000s or late 90s, mm -hmm. and um, they probably tried to do too much, but you know, Wizards of the Coast with an NFL license with players on it. Uh, but that, obviously, you know, another big issue with sports is licensing, yeah. right? Because uh, you know, licensing is obviously a big part of it, and you know, that's uh, that's it's an expensive route to go. Uh, obviously, it's going to open a lot of doors, but it 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 lends to added pressure, uh, yeah. especially with the NFL license, which is the biggest of them all. If you don't have something that that hits right away, um, you probably have to jump ship because the next year those those guaranteed minimum numbers that are extremely large are going to come due again. And if you know it, it's just that financial risk as well. It is another challenge of of having a big time sports game. Yeah, let's um, let's um let's come back to the publishing side in just a second. Let's hmm. a couple more things on, on just kind of the challenges and all that. One thing that I thought about while you were talking about um, how sports fans are unforgiving, I've played uh -huh. games where the scores didn't make yeah. sense. Yeah, like maybe the game was good, but then your, the score was just crazy. Like this is not possible, and it just totally. turned me off to the game. And yep. so I know with the game I've been working on. If, it's almost impossible to score more than 48 points, like his, or 49, 49 points. Yep. It's just almost impossible mm -hmm. and because that's what real life is. Like, it's very, very yes. rare to score that many and let alone more. And yes. so, like like you're saying, it, it can be a challenge to make it, the game fun and make it all work, but also realistic and also believable. But that's also the great test, is if you have a sports game where your scores are out of whack, that shows that, okay, you need to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. But if you've now recorded, say, 100 games where the scores are realistic, you say, okay, overall things seem to be working. Now, you know, let's tinker a little bit on the inside. And the fun part about that is when you change things within the game, you can immediately see the impact after you've played a few times yeah. at the end by the score because you know what the score should be. In a hockey game, it should be, I think the average right now is six goals in the NHL. Like, like in your scenario with football, well, except for some of those college football blowouts, but right. yeah, you, you're not going to score more than 49 points. No. You know, you, I, I would say, what, the NFL average is maybe, what, 24? Yeah, something like that. 24 points, yeah. something like that. So 48 total points. 
that's a great test as well. Yeah. So it kind of keeps you in line to, to, especially if you're trying to to have a, a simulation type type of game. Um, yeah, sports can actually help in that regard to kind of keep you say, okay, go back to the drawing board. You got to fix this because here's the score. Yeah, that's a great point. It gives you a just natural benchmark to shoot yep. for. And if you're out of whack, well, you know it right off the bat. Whereas in other games where you're creating the world, you could have a totally messed up scoring system and totally imbalanced, yep. but you wouldn't know it. But with this, you have a little more restraint. Exactly. I'll, I'll give you another little example with our uh, NHL icebreaker game. Um, we found that the goalie save percentage was very low. So uh, uh, the, the, because the way the game plays, you basically go uh, three times through the deck. So one deck represents a period of play. Yeah. And we just found that the proportion of shots on goal to goals was much higher than in real life. However, the scores at the end of the game were accurate. So in, in a way the way we kind of justified it is again maybe it's the idea of these are the key plays of the game right the key highlights the long highlight package where you see the big saves and the goals and in actuality if if the goaltender is only saving 70% of the shots which is which is off by about 20% in terms of the NHL that's something that's okay to sacrifice because the end result is you've had a game that's not too long, but the score at the end of the game is fairly accurate. Yeah, for sure. Now let's talk about complexity level. Can we talked a little bit earlier about the the niche of a niche? So you're talking about maybe a group mm. of people that uh, aren't really into board games necessarily that might pick up a game, or maybe their mom buys it for them because it has the, the NFL license or a certain team on it. Yep. And so, yep. how complex can you be with these kind of games and still sell well? Yeah, well, it's. Uh, it, I think it comes down to comes down to the rule book overall i think people that would buy a board sports board game are probably someone who is into fantasy very likely depending on their age if it's a little kid maybe not but uh you know someone who's in their in their teens to you know whatever age they probably understand fantasy sports to a certain level and there is quite a level of sophistication there and i think if you can just relate things in a way that a sports fan will understand it. I think that helps a lot. Um, and I mean, it, it, I think it's, it's, I think it's very, very easy to, well, not easy, but it, I think it's important to relate maybe some of the complex mechanics of a game in sports terms. Yeah. Use that vernacular. And, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we, we tried to do that with our, with the fantasy sports line. We compared game mechanics, so card drafting. We say, okay, that's like your live Yahoo draft, mm -hmm. right? Uh, action programming, that's like setting your lineups. Da -da -da -da. So we, you know, trying to relate the two. You know these things, but here's just another name for them, and here's how it works. So, um, but again in this day and age i think a a complex sports game is definitely a tougher sell yeah. uh because you know families are leaning towards more uh quick entertainment time you know 30 minutes to an hour that sort of thing and as you get more complex clearly it, it takes more time right um it, it it is different because yeah there is that appeal to 
uh, a board game is something that can be very much family friendly where everyone can be involved. If everyone loves the sport, everyone loves the team, um, you know, you want something that a game that can involve everyone and the rule book, I think should, should help with that. Um, uh, definitely, but it, it has to do a job of translating what they know of the sport to how things work in the game. You know, we tried to relate, uh, say in our hockey game, um, where you, uh, you you start with five cards and you play them out of your hand. You don't refill after each play. And we related that to, okay, after, after you've played your five cards, you draw another five, kind of like a, an on-the-fly substitution in hockey. So that idea of kind of relating the real life of the sport to, to uh, the game mechanic. Right. In, in, in our football game, again, you have you have your five cards and you refill your hand at the end of each play, kind of like you're huddling up for the next play. So it, it's kind of doing that that bit of translation, I think, uh, is is important. Yeah. And I think just understanding the audience, kind of what you're saying, it's probably yep. going to be played by families or, or people mm-hmm. uh, that aren't necessarily into a three hour Euro game experience. As much as I'd like to exactly. see Agricola with a football theme on it, you know, it's just probably not <laughs> going to sell, but to eight people, you know, right, and I'd buy right. six copies. You know, and, so, <laughs> and so just realizing that because I, you know, I, I'd see a lot of really interesting opportunities to make these kind of re- really deep, kind of uh, Euro themed, you know, uh, resource heavy thematic, not not super thematic, but just resource uh, heavy game that's mm-hmm. like football or baseball, where you're like the big picture owner, or maybe you're the commissioner of the league or something like that, and you've got all these things yeah. going on. That'd be really cool, but nobody would buy it. And so <laughs> knowing that as well, and then let's move kind of into that that side of things. As a publisher, you know, what are your goals when marketing a sports game? Well, it's uh, it's a unique one. Um, for instance, when uh, you know when we were marketing our our fantasy fantasy baseball and football, uh, you know we we reached out to the classic board game channels, but most of our time was spent trying to reach out to the baseball community. Uh, we happened to get in touch with uh, a former big leaguer named Dirk Hayhurst, who does a lot of work for ESPN, Baseball America. He was, uh, he's an author, New York Times bestselling author. He wrote a book called The Bullpen Gospels. Uh, he was a lifelong minor leaguer, and uh, he was basically writing a diary for, for Baseball America uh, during, his, during his time, and he just kind of discovered he's a decent writer. And anyway, long story short, we connected on Twitter and, and did a few things that way. Um, but it, but it, it's definitely different. Um, you know, for, for sports fans they're um, you know, when they're buying sports related stuff, it's usually for the holidays. It's, it's for Christmas, it's for gifts. Um, it's, it's different than, than the, you know, the gaming community when there's a hot game, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. It, it, it needs to be purchased. Right. Um, so the, the buying, the buying tendencies of, of you know, you know, families and and sports fans are different. They don't necessarily know much about Kickstarter. Um, you know, it, it's definitely different. Um, however, those those channels, when you know, so we try we tried to reach out to some of the the fantasy bloggers and and Twitter accounts, and oh, you know, it was interesting that there was a fantasy football game that came out. 
because they're not bombarded with fantasy games right. every day, right? Yeah. Well, you know, board game bloggers, yeah, that's they see 20 new games a week, right. minimum. And so, okay, here's a new game. Okay, you really need to do something special to get their attention. But going to the sports community, saying, ha, here's, here's a fun twist on fantasy sports that your readers might be interested in, that was kind of unique. And you have to build that, uh, that audience and, and, and look for it and go out there and look for it. But it does give you uh, a bit more of an opportunity to, to shine a little more in that community. Um, now, does it mean it's hard to kind of equate what, how that's going to convert into sales and that sort of thing? But, you know, when you market, you, you're basically trying to hit uh, the right audience. And if, if the bottom line, if you have something that's of interest to them, eventually they'll, oh, yeah, I remember I remember seeing that game that was posted on the blog couple months ago and then they, they might look forward to you know around Christmas time or you know time that they need to buy a gift for somebody so it, it, yeah it, it's challenging because it's 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 a, you're introducing something new to them uh, but it'll stand out a little bit more in in the sports community as opposed to you know being one of the many games in the in the board game community yeah now let's talk about you mentioned this earlier with the licensing how important is it to get an NFL license, NHL license, like how much of a return do you see on that investment? Or like you said earlier, I mean, it, it can be expensive. You can lose a oh, lot yeah. of money. And oh, so yeah. how do you find that balance as a publisher knowing, okay, having the license for this game is really going to uh, bring in more money versus that's ah, not going to make that big of a deal? Well, a perfect example was when we – so we launched our card football game, which was not licensed, and we launched our NHL icebreaker game – which was licensed probably about six months apart. And the NHL being a very regional, national sport in Canada, very regional in the U.S., um, card football, anybody would be interested in that. If you're American, you use somewhat like board games, the audience would be huge. So we thought. Uh, basically, the, uh, the NHL icebreaker game outsold card football three to one. <laughs> Yeah, in the U.S. and Canada. Wow. Well, in Canada, Canada, we didn't sell any of the football games. Right. It was almost all, we didn't have the CFL license. Yeah. Uh, Canadian Football League, three downs, 55, 110-yard field, 20-yard end zones, extra right. wide. Right. Uh, but, yeah, uh, easily three to one. We uh, and, and over the course of, well, to, to uh, give you an idea, so that our NHL icebreaker game, we've, probably sold well, I don't don't have an exact count but maybe 70,000 copies mm -hmm. in in these last 10 years and our football game you know maybe maybe 7,000 copies. Oh wow. Yeah. So uh, now it's it's a little bit different, you know, the card football, the initial print run was kind of a, you know, unlicensed broad uh, availability, then we went down the licensing route to more limited but still um, I would say that that three to one uh, ratio is probably more accurate when we had the icebreaker game going head to head with our card football game, and um, so it. But but that comes at a price, right? Right. Yeah, there, there's extra royalty that goes to the league. There's that you know when you see the logo, there's that initial acceptance by the customer seeing, oh okay, well it's NHL licensed now. That is on the sports fan side. On the board gaming side, 
there's always that thought in the back of your head, well, licensed games aren't so good. You <laughs> right. just slap a logo on it. Right. And so, um, but I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case anymore. I think with, you know, how much information is out there before a product is released between reviews and all this stuff. I think people have a good idea of what the game's all about before it hits the market. And, um, but like I said, a sports game, if to, if you, if you want to capture kind of the, the full potential of it, licensing is definitely the way you want to go. Um, but there's definitely extra cost, extra risk with that, but it's definitely uh, an easier sell to the sports fan. Um, and, but the other thing to consider with that as well is a uh, price point where, you know, the general, excuse me, the general consumer who, who doesn't maybe understand that, you know, a, a 10 by 10 box in the hobby world can cost anywhere from, you know, 30 to $60. Um, you know, a $60 NFL game is not going to fly. Right. And, and the general consumer, the, you know, the general football fan who, who may purchase it on Amazon, you know, that, that's going to be, that's too much. So a lot of things at play, you know, again, the big licenses have big dollars attached, but a big audience. So I definitely didn't answer your question, <laughs> but those are the challenges either way. You know, we, we found that the license for us was very helpful in the hockey game. Uh, it, it was you know, a game that was well accepted as well. Um, uh, and being and again, it was a, a niche because uh, being being that it was hockey, being that it was licensed, it's kind of a smaller, um, smaller group, smaller fan base but they were a little more excited about it because, Hey, here's, here's something for us. While, you know, every couple of years, there's usually a pretty big release of a new football game. And, um, I guess there's more, more competition that way. Yeah. So again, I don't know if I answered your questions, but no, these I think, are, you know, just kind of issues a, to consider. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just kind of the general, you know, how does it work from the publishing side? I think another thing to, for people to think about, and this is something you and I have talked about in the past is when you're getting a license, it, dramatically changes the timeline because you can't just like knock on their door and say, Hey, I need a license. Like there's a pretty decent process you have to go through. And so it changes the timelines. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's the, um, the approval process, number one, which is certain times a year can, can take a while, uh, you know, approval process plus, you know, any changes that need to be made. But then again, just, just acquiring a license is a challenge on its own. And, and, you know, it, in a lot of cases, maybe it's good to partner with a company that already has a license, uh, especially for some of the big, some of the big sports like the NFL, major league baseball. Those are, those are basically, you know, six figure minimum guarantees. So no one can, unless you have a million dollar product that, you know, you can sell a million dollars worth, uh, that's, it's going to be tough to, to you know, bite bite the bullet on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there there's uh, several things at play. You're right. The whole approval process is very important, and, and yeah, and uh, you know, acquiring the license on its own is is its own its own challenge. Right. Now, how long does that normally take? Uh, in terms of approval for the actual product. Right. Um, at a at a reasonable time of the year. Assuming that everything is fairly clean, probably a month or two altogether, depending on all the components. Uh, for a board game, it's a little bit more expensive, a little bit more involved because 
they're basically analyzing every word of text. Right. So they're going through with, you know, they have, um, you know, people that are experts in, in correcting the language. And, and in the uh, case with our NHL game, we have to make sure the French is, is in line as well. So a good couple of months with, you know, with minimal changes. Um, uh, yeah, you know, there's the approval of the product itself. But okay, we you know we accept it as a product that you know can go into market, but then it's all the individual files, all the text, so on. Uh, you have to purchase the uh, holographic labels that all have a serial number on them. You know, it, it's it's fairly involved, but um, but if if done right, can can make a big impact. Right. Um, you know, and, and distribution there there's potential for big distribution. You know, there's that whole sports fan shop business that can be tapped into the, the sporting goods, mega stores, and that sort of thing. Um, but then again, they're used to selling T-shirts and hats right. in their licensed product section, and they sell a lot of those. Um, so the you know the board game to pitch a board game is is a tougher sell, but you know there's potentially a, a pretty big audience there. Right, for sure. Well, Fabi, any any kind of last thoughts closing thoughts closing ideas for anybody who's designing a sports game right now well it's it's been an interesting time there's been a lot of uh, really fun sports games that have come out on the market and um you know i and and the the concepts have been pretty unique um you know you have baseball highlights you have bottom of the ninth um you know i i love uh, some of the blood bowl stuff um you know i i think there's there's a lot of uh, potential one thing that uh, i haven't seen a lot of are sports dexterity games mm-hmm. which could be kind of interesting yep. um we we co-publish one uh called nhl fast track we do it with uh, the guys from blue orange it's uh you know basically a, a disc puck flinging game a very very loosely called a sports game right. but um, you know, that could be uh, some interesting potential. Um, you know, the idea of, of capturing key moments in sports, I think, is is cool. Uh, uh, I think sports games of the past, they used to be a simulation um, almost completely. And, you know, it's tricky, tricky to do in, in a short time frame to capture people's people's attention. But uh, it's a fun world to explore. Uh, we've had some some really interesting sports games pitched to us recently, uh, including yours. And uh, <laughs> and um, because it's such it's such an in-depth world and because we know so much more about sports, especially the business of sports, mm-hmm. like 10 years ago, you know, without Twitter, without Facebook, we don't get a lot of this information about teams and transactions and that sort of thing. And, you know, I think the whole side of the business management and ownership and, um, you know, the, the whole the whole behind the scenes part of sports, I think, is really interesting. Um, so, you know, I think there's some really fun stuff that can be done there. And, you know, keeping in mind, you know, the sports audience where if you can relate it to, you know, what they what they follow, what they you know, you have you have these websites that are dedicated to you know the the salary cap, you know right. capgeek.com, which that's that's their business is to keep tabs on. Okay, this team is going to be over the cap if they don't move this guy and that guy, and that's just part of everyday sports talk now. And that is that is so gamerly. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, that's 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 I mean, you said it between fantasy sports and just following um, sports in general, the management side, the player transactions. I mean, even now we have uh, we have reality TV with sports yep. couples and, uh, right. you know, in Canada we have hockey wives <laughs> and uh, it's actually watchable, believe it or not, yeah. <laughs> unlike every other reality TV show. So, yeah, I think there's some fun fun opportunities in, in the sports world that don't just have to be a sports simulation. It can be, you know, some of the other fun stuff that people enjoy about sports. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. I bet we'll see some, uh, some, some nice, nice modern classics in the next coming years when it comes to sports. Yeah, I think so, too. I think just in general with the way games are headed, we're going to see really cool games in all sorts of different uh, genres. And I think sports mm-hmm. is just primed to have some really cool games come out but fabio really appreciate you coming on the show you're telling me about you got a kickstarter project coming up uh if you want to talk about that real quick go ahead yeah we do it's a a game called gridstones night sky and uh gridstones it's uh, actually a game that was published back in 2008 designed by tim wk brown one of those game artisans of canada that i i like to pump up whenever i can um, this was a game that was uh, initially uh, mainly a Canadian release. A very cool pattern matching abstract strategy puzzle game. And we've added uh, a really fun theme of the constellations in the sky, where each player is dealt out cards with a pattern matching one of the constellations. And on your turn, the board is basically a grid. And on your turn, you can place or remove a stone. And the objective is to match your constellation cards with a pattern on the board. And we've also included some special cards that allow you to move different stones on the board, um, take an extra turn, you know, add a little fun thematic uh, type stuff to it. And um, really nice game. Like I said, it was a fairly limited release back in 2008. And, um, you know, it won the Major Fun Award back then. It got a uh, a Dice Tower seal of approval. And uh, we're really happy with the way it's it's coming around. Um, The uh, the artist is another game artisan of Canada named Jamie Jones. And he was involved with the development as well. Um, Funny story. Uh, Jamie was given that game as a gift by his wife. And as it turns out, Jamie's wife was Tim's wife's college roommate. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And they finally met in person last year. Yeah. Uh, We all went to Gen Con together. And uh, they finally met in person just last year. So... Jamie, who happens to be an artist who loves board games, that happened to be his most played game, but then realized, oh my God, I have this hilarious family connection. And so basically we, you know, we put those two heads together along with us. And, um, I think we've come up with something really nice and, uh, you know, the theme really ties in well, uh, the art looks really good. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're launching it, uh, August 31st, which is the first day of fan expo here in, uh, in Toronto, which is the big, uh, it's not even a comic book event. It's comic books, gaming, horror, anime, uh, basically like a Gen Con for all 
for all fans. It's like a San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they get about 100,000 people. So wow. I'm going to have some do some fun stuff there. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. So uh, basically by the time the game releases and ships to people, that'll be the 10th anniversary. So we're kind of dubbing it as the 10th anniversary edition. And uh, like I said, we're, we're excited about it. It's a great game that it, 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 it adjusts to, to the players. You know, if you have uh, two gamers that are very strategic and, and are thoughtful in their planning, it becomes a highly strategic game. You pick up patterns on what your opponent is playing. It has a little bit of that go feel with, with a lot simpler scoring. Uh, but then you could have, you know, a couple of eight-year-olds that, you know, they, they're placing stones or moving stones and matching the patterns on their cards. And, you know, they just have that real satisfying feeling. And it's a game that you get better with, you get better at the more you play it. And it has a really nice way of going from, from light on one hand to, to highly strategic, depending on, on who plays. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very beautiful looking game and, and, and elegant in the gameplay. Very simplistic, but you, you're almost surprised by the end that you play the games. Like, that was more fun than I expected because it's one of those quiet games where you're studying your, your moves. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're pretty excited about it and uh, looking to, to bring it out to the people. Well, cool, man. I hope that goes really well. I uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. We're about to head over into a bonus round where I'm going to ask Fabio how to stand out from the crowd. So he's done some Kickstarter campaigns. He's been publishing games for quite a while now. And so we're gonna, I want to hear his insight on how to stand out from the noise that, that is the board game uh, industry today. So, Fabio, man, thank you for your time. Really appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks a lot. I really enjoyed it. Glad we got to talk some football. And uh, <laughs> time certainly flew by. For sure. Thanks for listening. Find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at BoardGameDesignLab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?